Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. The attack on all your senses from minute one. It was incredible. Don't just hand over this life. Educate yourself. I would welcome anything that would help to protect the children further. You know? The same spiel we get from them. Very little respect. Can we just talk? Call 0818 969696 500 euro voucher with the furniture centre during the course of the morning. If you are looking for a pay rise or think you deserve one, how would you go about telling your boss? Uh, In such a way as it doesn't chase you out of the office feeling grateful for a job. How can you do that? And speaking of jobs, restaurant. We were talking to a restaurant owner in Cork who just cannot get staff and the reason they can't get staff, one of the reasons is visa requirements are just bonkers. That and plenty more, but where else would we start only with the unfolding story overnight, which happened so late into the night that it didn't make any of the morning papers, but woke up this morning to the sound of the sound of what Simon Covey described as the biggest invasion Europe has seen since World War II. And and I said to you the other day that I had no idea where this was going to go and I felt personally as an individual my thoughts would be with children, my thoughts would be with families, my thoughts would be with ordinary working people who have no interest at all in politics and less interest in war. And there they are now caught in the middle of what looks like the start of a war in Ukraine. Michael Murphy has been a guest on the Opinion Line before. He is a former uh, a retired lieutenant colonel from the army and uh, these days he trades under the company name of Sight Arms, uh, dealing in security risk and intelligence advice. And Michael, you've been thinking about this situation. They're calling it a failure of diplomacy, which sounds like the understatement of the year, but the question I'd be asking is, was was Vladimir Putin ever going to listen to anybody? Good morning. Good morning, Pia. Um, well, it, it was something that wasn't tested. If I, this, Going back to the same one time I was on with you there in relation to terrorism, you, it's like what you have to do is think like the other person. 
And if you thought in the same way as the Russians see the West in the last number of years, then this is not an unexpected event. From the Russians, and this, like some people would like to start their history in 2014, uh, when the Russians took over and annexed Crimea. But in fact, you nearly have to go back to the 18th century, mid-18th century, to find out what has been going on here. Because traditionally, the West has been trying to curtail Russian access to the Black Sea and to the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. And if you were a Russian, you could see the NATO and the EU creeping their way towards the Russian frontier. Uh, and if they had brought in Ukraine into NATO or into the EU, then the Russian access to the Black Sea could be curtailed. And that would leave the Russians with only one port up in the Baltic mm. to get into the Mediterranean or into the Atlantic, which could be controlled um, by the Western for NATO forces um, before they even got into the Atlantic. So for the for the for the Russians, Ukraine is very important to them. Yeah. And if they didn't take action, it was like Putin's last chance saloon. This was his only opportunity to be able to do something. Mm. Unfortunately, and if the West were using and understanding the Russian point of view then diplomacy should have started about 15 years ago in relation to understanding this. Someone described Vladimir Putin during the week, Michael, on a programme I was listening to, as, and you and I are old enough to remember, some listeners might be, certainly their parents would be, the breakup of the USSR. And, and uh-huh. someone described Putin as being a man who is still sore about that. Is that accurate? Well, you, if, if what he is sore about, and if you read it, the way he actually wrote, wrote and has spoken about it, is, yes, when the USSR broke up, there were millions of Russians left within other states um, which were part of the USSR at that time. Ukraine, remember this, in 1954, Khrushchev, who was the general secretary of the Communist Party in the USSR, as a gift, handed Crimea from the Russians to the Ukrainians, to Ukraine, right? Khrushchev himself was a Ukrainian. And that was all okay during the time when they were all part of the one um, political system. Mm. But that system broke down in 91, and that left the Russians, of course, economically very weak, in a very weak position um, strategically. Um, and the like, if, if you looked at it from... A Russian point of view, the way the Soviet Union broke up long term put the Russian state in a very weak position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, no, I'm not saying that he, like, can I just, I'm not saying from reading it that he's wanted the communist system to survive. Yeah. What he was saying is the way it happened was detrimental to Russian strategic interests. Right. Okay. Now, Michael, there's there, there's the, the military view of it. There's the strategic diplomacy view of it. Let's boil it down, though, to brass tacks. Should we, as ordinary people, going about our lives in our country, which is at least four hours away by air, should we be concerned? Well, anybody, everybody should be caring about trying to avoid war because in the end of the day, the, the Ukrainian people 
are the ones who are going to suffer within all of this. Mm. And they're only the pawns in a, in a big game between the West and Russia. Ireland is on the east, on the, the west coast of Europe, far away from this. Okay, we are strategic, or we are defenseless. We have no military power or capability of even defending ourselves. And here we are. We're talking with the big boys. If anything should untoward go on here, we are defenseless. We have no capability whatsoever, even to protect or uh, to find out what's in our skies. The might say protecting our cables, uh, the, the transatlantic cables coming into the state. If, in fact, it's like the, the analogy, if, if, if the bully in the schoolyard, we're in a position where we should be hiding in the corner, hoping that nobody knows us, because we are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Mm. And that's the way we've be, we've even become worse since 2011 under the, under when that government changed, and we didn't even have ministers for defence. We're in a very poor position. We have nothing coordinated in relation to security or defence within the state. Uh, and and in that case, I imagine we've really got to not put a foot wrong or a word out of place. Correct. Correct. It's, I make the analogy of where the uh, guy goes from primary school into secondary school, the people in the intercert school are talking about the bully in sixth year, and the fellow who has not able to defend themselves go on to try and take out the bully, or to, to, to start teasing the bully. If you're not able to defend yourself, then you should be able to, or should, in, in, in brightness would tell you, keep your mouth shut, and hopefully nobody notices you. Or else go and get yourself prepared. Simon Coveney has been saying this morning, his to, to paraphrase his words, this is the most serious invasion within Europe since 1945. Now, when I hear 1945, a quick brief study of any simple child's history book will tell you what happened after that, after, after 1945. What are the chances, Michael? Are we on the brink of a possible world war here? Well, let's put it this way. The Biden administration has in the, in the White House for the last year, okay, they misread the Taliban in Afghanistan. And when you have an administration that can't even work out what the Taliban are going to do, then you really need to cross yourself and hope um, that they have some understanding of what the Russians are up to. And they have misread everything so far as I would consider, and that we're in dangerous times. With a man of your own military background, uh, I am asking you to consider this question from that point of view. Are you personally, Michael, worried for us or worried for the world, given your own military background and what you now do for a living? Well, all of this is is diplomacy. This has all got to do with the, the, the only people or the only states that are really involved in this are the United States, Russia, and also China on the other side. And unless they take cognizance of each other and their strategic interests, then there will be war. And all this rhetoric in relation to the information, and remember, information war is going on on both sides. And like at the moment in the in in the West, if you speak out and try and say, "Look, there is another side of this," you automatically get demonized as being a Putinite um, or a pro-Russian. No, I'm trying to t- say there's a need for common sense here. Mm. 
Is there any world individual, any person around who might be seen by all sides in this, Michael, as a fair arbiter or any body or any country who might be seen as a fair arbiter that could draw all sides together and say, lads, sort it out? Well, in the past, you would have had small, smaller states, let's say. Ireland had an independent foreign policy at one stage. We were able to say things in public and try and get sides and, and even to be used as we were with the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Act Treaty to be able to get, um, you know, non-aligned uh, viewpoint. Um, France used to also be, when it came to the Russians, also was somewhat in that position. At the moment, I can't see any... Um, it was arbitrary, um, able to, unless the West understands and goes properly with the, with Russia. And I'm, I'm not saying Russia is right. I'm just saying the Russia has a has a, has an interest here, which the West has not been taking cognizance of for the last since the, the fall of the of the, the Warsaw Pact. Mm. And lastly, and I don't want to personalise it, but I guess Simon Coveney is the man in the crosshairs at the moment from an Irish point of view. Do you have mm-hmm. confidence in him to, to drag us through this and to bring us, bring us as, a, as, as the people he represents safely through this? Well, I'm being honest in my own personal opinion. Simon Coveney has, is very much EU speak. Allowing the EU uh, as part of our foreign policy, um, and we're running in with the with the uh, European Union. France and Germany can defend themselves, and when the trouble, if it does happen, we will be left on our own. We won't even know what's in our skies. We need to be very careful in what we say and how we behave ourselves. And I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to say, is that Simon Coveney as Minister of Defence and Minister for Foreign Affairs, well, certainly for Defence, the Commission on Defence that came out recently acknowledges that we cannot defend our country. i leave it with you there, Michael. We might talk again as this thing develops. Appreciate your candour based on uh, lifelong knowledge, former Lieutenant Colonel of the Irish Army and now an international advisor on security and intelligence risks. That's Michael Murphy of sight harms well it's we are defenseless here we are defenseless we don't even know what's in the sky above us tom says it's time for us to recall our army back from overseas who knows who knows where this is going it certainly does worry me one thing that connects ireland to ukraine more than you would think is surrogacy It's one of the countries that Irish people use as a way to, you know, have a child through surrogacy. Sam, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Sam, are you concerned at the moment? Um, Absolutely. I mean, I guess nobody imagined that they'd be waking up to this this morning, you know. Um, We're all really deeply concerned about the situation over there and, I guess we really just stand in solidarity with the Ukrainian people and, you know, our Irish couples over there, surrogate mothers, our friends, our clinics, you know, they're, they're in our thoughts and our, our hearts at the minute, you know. You've been there a couple of times and you're planning, I think, to go back again. 
I was planning, yes. <laughs> I think everything has uh, gone up in the air um, lately. Uh, I really feel like the rug has been pulled out from, from under me, uh, as uh, I suppose a, a lot of couples are in a similar situation to myself. So, you know, there there's no possibility for us to, to go to the Ukraine at the moment. So unfortunately, it's it's a very... Um, upsetting situation on all fronts. Mm. I know that there were a, a number of couples with babies either close to being born or had just been born through surrogacy and, and couldn't get there, couldn't collect their child. That must be an awful situation in which to find themselves. Do you know any of those people? Uh, not specifically. Uh, we do know that there are a small number of couples out there um, and we know that there are contingency plans that have been put in place, um, although I don't know the specific mm. details of any individual couples. But what I do know is that the Department of Foreign Affairs have been absolutely excellent with their assistance and they're supporting all couples over there and are working around the clock to provide um, assistance to them through this difficult time. Why is it that people go to somewhere like Ukraine Sam, surrogacy, surely we have, as they say, we have the technology and the ability to do it here. So so why do people feel they have no option to go to Ukraine? Well, I think in principle, um, domestic surrogacy isn't really sufficient for us at the moment due to the amount of people needing surrogacy support and the lack of availability over here, you know, and I think, um, you know, the likes of the Ukraine, um, Canada, US and so on, they, they've really set themselves up um, in, a, in a legislated way in order to support couples who need to undergo this procedure. Uh, we just don't have the legislation in place at the moment to be able to support ourselves Um Although we are having um, the assisted, um, the AHR bill that's being put in place now that, that will hopefully help us. Um, but in fact, you know, the numbers speak for itself. You know, I mean, 80, we know that there's about 80 percent of people pursue international surrogacy. Um, and we don't really know the true number because we don't know those people who haven't spoken out yet. Um, but we just don't have the, the facility domestically at the moment. It's not a decision people take easily. I mean, I'm sure in your own case, Sam, you, you tried every possible avenue before you decided upon surrogacy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, from my experience, I mean, I was born with severe medical complications. And the, the take-home message for surrogacy is that anybody who undergoes surrogacy, it's the last option. Um, you know, no mother wants somebody else to carry their baby for them. Um, in, in my case, I've had 17 major surgeries Um to correct my condition. And it's left me unable to carry my own children. Um, in, in other cases, there are friends and colleagues of mine, you know, they've had MRKH, they have severe lung conditions, cystic fibrosis, et cetera. So mm -hmm. it's really a difficult decision when you come to surrogacy. It's literally the end of the road um, and there's no other choice and no other option. So it, it's very difficult to get to that point. Um, and it's even harder to kind of go through the rest of it, you know. Yeah. And and now knowing that the chances, and I'm, I'm sure that you, that I'm sure there's great expense involved and all that, and you were planning to go in May, and now that chance hanging by a thread this morning, and you say you probably have to forget about it, that must be very difficult to deal with, Sam. I mean, absolutely, um, you know, and along with, with many other people in my situation, we're, we're kind of wondering you know, what to do. It's a very disappointing situation. Um, you know, I've been on this journey since August 2020. So it's been a long road already so far. And there just seem to be setbacks between 
the pandemic and now this, it just seems like there's a load of adversity in the way. So I guess the only thing we can do is just really, um, you know, not focus too much on ourselves and really just put our hearts and our thoughts with the people of Ukraine at the minute. It's a very terrible situation for them. And, you know, we really just want to show our support and, you know, Irish families through surrogacy have done a a wonderful job in supporting a lot of our intended parents as well. So, you know, I think we need to just really rally around our intended parents and just help support them through this really emotional time. Yeah, because I'm sure that having been there twice yourself, you'll have met people and I've only ever been there myself once for work a long time ago, and the people I met were just lovely, lovely people. I, I feel for, I feel particularly for for the younger people, for families, for people trying to go about their day's work. It 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 must it must personally worry you for the people you've met and dealt with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's very concerning. And, you know, we're we're following the news, you know, we're, we're just hoping that, you know, all of our friends and uh, Irish couples out there can, you know, stay safe. Um, and really just, you know, we're really just thinking of them. Um, it, it's it's an extremely worrying situation. And we're all deeply concerned for them, you know. All right, listen, Sam, I'm sure we can talk again sometime about the whole surrogacy issue and the law around surrogacy because we've been very interested in it here on the boat as a separate subject, the law concerning surrogacy. But thank you for being with us today and I wish you well in your own future and I hope that one day it all works out for you. That's Sam, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. UNICEF issued a statement this morning. Their executive director, a woman called Catherine Russell, uh, issued a statement this morning about the safety and well-being of the 7.5 million children in Ukraine. We'll return to it from that point of view a little bit later. 0818 96, 96, 96 on a lighter note. We're back with the Furniture Centre this morning. A 500 euro voucher to give away every day this week. You can choose from a custom-made Irish suite or dining furniture or mattresses. And within four to six weeks, you can get free delivery of an Irish-made sofa from the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road. It's a family-run business for over 40 years. Fiona has been on her travels again. We put her out in the freezing cold this morning and sent her off on her travels very early. And she hasn't forgiven me since. Where is she today? Today, I am in the centre of a coastal town, popular with tourists, renowned for its food and sailing. And there was a famous battle here in 1601. Where am I? Where is she indeed? Frozen down there. (laughs) Today, I am in the centre of a coastal town, popular with tourists, renowned for its food and sailing. And there was a famous battle here in 1601. Where am I? 083... 396-96-96. Where is Fiona today? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Whatever sport you support, we want you to grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. Stick it on for Radiothon. If you need 96FM, Giving for Living Radiothon returns in May. And this year, Friday, May 27th, is Jersey Day. We want you to hold a Jersey Day. Hold a Jersey Day. Get together with family, friends or colleagues and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. For more, see 96FM.ie. 
The 2022 Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th, only on Cork's 96FM. As I said, return to the Ukrainian situation after... 10 o'clock from the point of view of particularly the children and was in Kiev. Now it's a few years ago, it's the bones of 20 years ago actually, that I was there but one thing I observed was an awful lot of kids really with nothing. They they barely had an arse in their trousers, the poor devils, and so many of them lived in the sewers and lived in the subway tunnels. Terrible, terrible child poverty in Kiev. And you would have to worry for those children. I wonder, has it improved in between? I don't know that it has. We'll check up with that uh, situation after 10 with someone who knows uh, life on the ground for the children of Ukraine. 0818969696. Yesterday I was talking to Jackie about her experience over the last couple of nights living up in Oknahini, not far from the Bernardo Centre. She lives in one of those estates up there. Last night, uh, two stones were thrown. I ignored them. And then about 20 minutes later, a big rock entered the window. Shattered it. Huge window. We're all being terrorised up here. There's a girl up here a week. She ate my old baby next to the window last week and she got stones battered her window. Her welcome second party. They the trees pulled up. They tore up all the plants. Another bonfire now last night up by the steps. More uh, wheelie bins. It's getting beyond crazy now up here. And we had a few calls and messages after that, backing up what Jackie was saying, that there's a lot of antisocial behaviour and troublemaking up there. Councillor Ted Tynan, good morning. Morning, Peter. This is not a yeah. new problem. It just seems to have flared up again. Yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I've, I've been in the area a couple of times in, in, in the last, um, I suppose, two months. And one one thing I noticed in um, as you go up Harveyview Road, it's your first turn right, and then you go into the left, and there's blocks of border up houses. But in among the border up houses, then there's the occasional light on in the house, mm. indicating that there are people living maybe out of six houses border up. You're the one next door then lived in and occupied. Yeah. And I met I met two young men anyway, and. I was speaking to them, and they were obviously under the under the influence of some uh, drugs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And two fine guys. Now I would estimate their ages to be eighteen, nineteen. And it, I was saddened uh, after the experience of talking to the two of them. One of them was a little bit more clear. I was asking where Carberry Grove was actually, and, and I, I wasn't too sure where it was, mm-hmm. but and. One of them says it's somewhere that direction anyway, and the other guy was nearly falling asleep. And this is the reality of life, PJ. And like that, um, the person you had on, Jackie, on yesterday morning, I'd been talking to people in that area, seven or eight people, and I'd been talking to one or two who live in Churchfield, and they were confirming everything that I'd been hearing mm-hmm. over the last couple of months, you know. And the one thing I noticed, PJ, and look, I go for a walk in the Tremor Valley, out to Douglas Village, and up Mangala, then the woodland in Douglas, you probably know that. No, it is very well, yeah, yeah. Parallel with it's Donnybrook. my own neighbourhood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's a lovely woodland. I've seen uniformed Gardy walking through that woodland, PJ. I've seen them on Donnybrook Hill. I've seen them down the village of Douglas. Uniformed Gardy and... 
Jenny, Ted, you're spending a long time there because they're not exactly falling out of the out, out of the No, doorways. no, they're not. But <laughs> the point I'm making, PJ, that they don't patrol many areas of, of the city now. Like Nachnahini needs uniform guardy, and I admire the guardy that are there. They have a terrible, miserable job to do, but um, and they're doing a lot of good work. But they're they're under resourced. Yeah. And PJ, I know of your own. Late father was a member of of, of the Garda, you know, and and by spent the way, most my own, of his career, Ted, on the north yeah, side of the city, and, yeah. and knew knew every square inch of it. That's it. That's what community policing is all about, uh, PJ. Uh, police who are trained to communicate, and I've seen the young lads up there. They're, they're kind of eight, nine years of age. They're driving the scrambler bikes. They're driving these new electric scooters. And I saw a, a video of one lad coming down near Carberry Grove and went straight across the road. And there was a woman driving a car coming down that hill. And he whizzed past in front of her. She jammed down. She, she must have got a terrible fright. The guy then went around the path car onto the footpath and off up the hill. Mm. Like a young lad, I'd, I'd estimate him to be about 10 or 11 years mm. of age. Now, Ted, you know? the times have changed. And in, in the, uh, use the old cliche, in my father's time, all Dad or any one of his colleagues had to do was walk over to that young fella and tell him to take right. off home and off home yeah. he would duly go. I would put it to you, Ted, those days are gone. Those days are gone, yeah. But the thing is that up to about 2010, PJ, there was community policing in Mayfield. There was. Trevor and Laffin, the great Trevor Laffin. Yeah. Trevor, John O'Connor, uh, there's Mick Driscoll, I think it was his yeah. name, or yeah. John Driscoll, but there was a few more. And I've seen them around at 10, 11 o'clock at night in Glenamoy Lawn Flats around Mount Ern, as it was known at the time, Ardvalia. And they, would, they were walking the estates in uniform. They would get to know these kids and they'd be inclined to hang around and they'd nearly walk the kids home. You know, that's sort of... Mm. But when they went to that. the door there then, Ted, when they went to the door back in those times, they were met with, oh, sorry, guard, I'll make sure he yeah. won't go out again. That's and right, your man yeah. got a clip around the ear and was told to behave yeah. himself. Those times yeah. have also changed. They have, yeah. Yeah, they have. And the less policing that you have in the area, the more um, antisocial behaviour you will have. And I know a lot of those kids too, some of them are kind of up the out of school at a young age and they need to be taken on board, and there need to be facilities. And indeed, just talking about Nocturne, there are some fantastic groups up there. Oh, I yeah. admire the, the, the spirit of an awful lot of people in that area, but there's um, a, a minority of children, you know, and some of them are quite young, and I, I, I feel sorry for them because they're on the slippery slope to nowhere, you know. Yeah. And I you guess, you know, to, yeah, yeah. they are, and they are, and there's an awful lot wrong in, in their lives and a lot of opportunity missed and, and all of that but yeah, yeah. I guess to someone like Jackie Ted whose windows are being put in or her neighbours whose bins are being stolen and burnt they don't care they just want it to stop yeah that's all they just want to stop and to live in safety like I know several people up there who are afraid to like if they hear noise outside they they, they they will not sit inside the window just in case the window will come in on top of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So That's it, no way that to is live. That's frightening, PJ, you know? So how do so, we fix that? 
I think more community police, the enemy is number one, where the police will be seen as a friend, that these people regard the, the uniformed guard as a friend and somebody that they could confide in and talk to and all that, you know. And at least in improved uh, visual um policing on the streets in these areas and I, I hope Ted that you're not yeah. and with all due respect to you and I know you're around a long long time I just hope you're not yearning for romantic old days when that stuff worked maybe maybe I am uh, maybe I am you know but look we, we do we need not to, need to uh, get tough yeah, yeah. maybe I think yeah. about getting tough well I, I I've seen Trevor left and them performing I've seen them very diplomatic and very polite and nice and I've been seeing them tough as well. And that's that's what the resources are about. The, that's what you're, the you're saying we need the, the community guard back. We do, yeah. 100%. Right. Yeah. Okay. By the way, PJ, mm. my own father applied for the Gardaí, but I think he's about a half an inch too short <laughs> <laughs> in height. You know? um. And also, PJ, I know diverting slightly, I listened to your previous uh, speaker on what's happening in the Ukraine, Russia and NATO and all that. Yeah, Michael, and yeah. He he was like a breath of fresh air, quite honestly. I admired his approach to the issue. And, you know, um, this is a neutral nation, P- PJ, and we should remain non-aligned. We should not be siding with NATO or mm. the Warsaw Pact or uh, American, you know, because, like, look at the history of wars in, in, in the last 20, 30 years. Villages in Afghanistan being bombed by drones. Jeez, just frightening, yeah. you know. Yeah. And you read afterwards then, one then the latest drone attack there in Afghanistan a few months ago. Uh, I think five children died oh, in, yeah. in, 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 in that drone attack. The world, and you the can world, imagine the people and made in America then is on the missile, you know. The so, world is at a very, very troubled and worry and worrisome uh, junction, Ted. Thank you for that. Good man. Councillor Ted Tynan, 0818 96 96 96. What do you think of what he's saying, though? Remind us again, just one more time, of what Jackie and her neighbours are going through. Last night, uh, two stones were thrown. I ignored them. And then about 20 minutes later, a big rock entered the window. Okay. Shattered it. Huge window. We're all being terrorised up here. There's a girl up here a week. She ate my old baby next to the window last week and she got stones battered her window. Her welcome second party. They had the trees pulled up. They tore up all the plants. Another bonfire now last night up by the steps. More uh, wheelie bins. It's getting beyond crazy now up here. And you know, my dad and his colleagues back in the day, they were, they were great advocates for community policing. But I'm just wondering... Maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. Is Ted being a little bit romantic about, ah, go home now, son. Go home now, please. All right, so guard. And if you, and he, if he brought you home, get in here, you little. Are those days gone? Are those days gone? Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. He wants the community guards back and he's got a point there. He absolutely has a point there. But do we need more? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork.
Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Straight from our soil to your table. Griffin's Potatoes are simply nutritious and delicious. Cork's 96 FM. But have a think about that. Ted Townend says we should bring back the community gags on the north side of the city, in all parts of the city, but particularly up around where they're having problems there in Knocknaheeny and, and areas at the moment. McNugent was on, Sinn Féin councillor was saying, it seemed quieter last night. There was a guard, the presence. We'll be having a meeting with the council regeneration team as well in the next week to discuss the issues around the area there near Barnardos. But your thoughts, is, is bringing back the community police enough, do you think? 0818 96 96 96. If you buy a product or service online, you know there's always a risk. It's not, it's not the same as going into a shop and you go into the shop and, and buy a pair of shoes and you take the shoes home and something's wrong with them and you bring them in and you're all sorted. Or it could be something more complex than a pair of shoes. You didn't always have the same rights online and you weren't too sure who you were buying from online. So you'd always be a bit nervous. There's a new consumer rights bill has come in or is coming in that's going to change all that. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. Charlie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Good to speak with you again. Our rights are changing. How? Well, there's a new Consumer Rights Bill 2022. You're absolutely correct there, PJ. Um, This consolidates and modernises consumers' laws. For example, digital um, products, you know, the likes of streaming and downloads and video games, there's no, they're not covered at all under Irish statute. Now, there is protections when you buy stuff online, goods online, but... There's many services where there's no um, there's no rights or consumer protections. For example, you know legal services are limited enough. Uh, financial legal services, buildings, uh, cultural activities, personal services. A lot of those are not covered by uh, protection. So this bill is going to modernise and tidy up consumer law, and it takes into account a whole load of different European Union directives that have been put together and to give digital rights to people. And it's cover it covers stuff like fake reviews online, you know, that, that kind of aggressive commercial behaviour that, that, that can be engaged in by companies to put some structural regulation around well, that. These testimonials on a website that it's the best product since the invention of sliced bread and you just know that it's the company writing their own. It's either the company writing their own or they've got a, a blogger or an influencer to, to, to write up a, a, a rosy review on the basis that they either pay them money directly or, or, or sent them a whole load of free products and uh, you know, there's advertising standards around that where you're supposed to make it very obvious that it's sponsored content. But I'm not so sure people get that, you know, or even see it. Mm-hmm. A lot of young people are quite naive. So this is just to make sure that um, any reviews that are out there, they, it must state if they were paid for and it must make it very clear. Now, I haven't actually seen this legislation. It's 158 pages long. I've just seen the kind of notes around sure. it. but The reviews have to be genuine, PJ. Um, companies can't commission fake reviews about you know their own products endorsing their products, they, um, and 
you know, also they can't engage in, but they own some companies, they can't engage in putting out reviews about competitors saying their product or services is rubbish, you know. So that puts a bit of structure or a bit of, a, a, a little bit of regulation around what is the regarded as the Wild West at the moment. I mean, that whole um, influencers thing is enormous. Every marketing campaign now, I'm told, involves influencers. Some of them get paid up to 10,000 euros, the really popular ones, to endorse products and, you know, do a video and maybe give a, you know, to, to provide loads of information on their social media. And, mm. you know, the likes of TikTok are very influential. So it's long overdue that some some structure was put on there's that. people making a very tidy living out there. And a lot of them doing it very genuinely. But like you say, there's, ah, yeah. there's predators out there too that just want money. There are. No, to be fair, now, a lot of them, I'm told a lot of them are very good as well about policing it themselves. They'll, they'll get on to a, 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 an influencer who's not making it clear and not using a hashtag to say that they're, their content is sponsored. You know, you're supposed to have hashtag sponsor oh, or yeah. hashtag advert or whatever. And if they don't see that, you know, which is required under under by the Advertising Standards Authority of Ireland, if, if the others don't see that, they're very quick to get on to the person and say, yeah. put it up there, you know, or report them. But you're right, there, there is a lot of rogue operators out there. And some of it's coming in from abroad, so there's nothing we can do about this because this is Irish legislation. Yeah. It's based on EU rules, so it, it'll apply broadly across Europe. But if you're... If you're being influenced by an American, for example, or a British uh, influencer, there's not much control over that here. But it's at least to kind of put a bit of manners on uh, some of the the, the kind of less scrupulous ones, I suppose. I was just going to go there. Like, this is Irish legislation, which I would have thought, you say it's in court accordance with European law. So anything that would be from a .ie or a .eu or a .fr or a .de, France, Germany, or an ES, it'll apply to them. From the other side of the world, not so much. That, that's it, exactly. Look, you know, there is regulations and, uh, that have come in across Europe about a lot of these, you know, uh, how these things are handled. So that, so, so there will be regulations that will apply to European companies. But you're right. I mean, a Canadian, an American, uh, uh, you know, a Middle Eastern company or a British company, it won't apply. It'll only apply to an Irish-based agent for a UK company. But uh, the you know the, the the changes in this bill won't apply if it's a British company and uh, it's selling in here. That's, so that, that's people need interesting. To be careful. Free, that's a and that's a, isn't it a, a Brexit legacy, Charlie? That this doesn't apply to our nearest neighbours. That that's right. I mean that has had all sorts of implications in terms of costs as well, PJ. You know, and customs costs and and VAT etc. But it also in terms of consumer rights. I mean, if you have an issue with a British company. You don't have the same uh, dispute mechanism ways of, of 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 sorting that out that we that that was there under European rules because the British basically have opted out of those rules. Mm-hmm. So you know you're you're down to the goodwill of the company. So people need to be very careful about that. Try and buy from European EU co- companies if you can, rather mm-hmm. than British-based ones. Okay, an awful lot of people switch their Amazon, for example, to Amazon DE, uh, which the German version, which has an English website and is quite 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 good to use. Charlie, um, let's talk for a minute if we can about inflation um, because it, the prices are just rocketing and of course with what's happening in the in Ukraine and Russia now we're afraid that prices will rocket further. Is the government doing enough to combat inflation? I was pointing out here yesterday for example the breakdown of tax and excise on fuel and we know that fuel and energy is driving inflation to a, to a huge extent. Should the government now bite the bullet and cut back on excise? 
I think we're going to see a lot more calls for that, PJ. I mean, already overnight, I'm being told that a number of garages, forecourts, put up the price of uh, the litre of petrol by four cents. Uh, you know, it's already at record levels, petrol and diesel. So, you know, going up another four cents is, 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 is the last thing we need. We've seen crude oil prices go over $100. Um, you know, that that, 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 that happened overnight. We've wholesale gas prices have gone up by 25%. Mm. Um, if, if crude oil goes to $120 a barrel, PJ, that would mean we will hit the psychologically important two euros a litre. Uh, mark, which is uh, you know, that, that doesn't bear thinking for about people. Charlie. That doesn't. No, it doesn't. Thinking. It doesn't. So, so, so we're already seeing it. So you're absolutely right. I think you know the the government will come under renewed pressure to do something about the VAT rate in particular. Now, I spoke uh, to Michael McGrath about VAT rate. Just tied across. I spoke to Michael McGrath about VAT rate, and, and he gave me uh, an answer to do with derogations from the EU. So. Let's say that VAT is somewhat partly at least governed by EU. Am I right in saying we have control over our own excise? So at the, at the stroke of a pen, they could cut the excise? They certainly could. And look, at we, we, I, I don't agree with this view that, that the government keeps saying they can't cut the VAT rate. People seem to forget we cut the top, the standard rate, we call it, of VAT. At the start of the pandemic, it was cut for six months from 23% to 21%. People forget that. Uh, we also cut the, the VAT rate for the hospitality industry from 13.5% to 9%. Mm. The, 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 across Europe, countries have reacted to surging energy and fuel prices and car fuel prices by cutting VAT. And the European Union, Brussels, has been far more accommodating of that than they have been in the past. You do need to get permission from them. You do need, but they're apparently very much more flexible about that given the pressures that are on family budgets and the, the pressure is go, only going to get worse with the, mm. the aggressive actions of, 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 of that thug in the Kremlin. So, you know, it, it's something that could be done. We have control over excise duty, you're right. Um, but, you know, there's a reluctance because of the green agenda and the need to stop our use of fossil fuels and mm. cut down on fossil fuels. There's a reluctance to do that. But yeah, but you, you, you could make life easier for people for a few months, you know, and come back to it afterwards, couldn't you? You really could. You could certainly. I think you're absolutely right. You know, um, uh, and you know, a, a temporary cut would, 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 would. I think that's where the pressure will come on. I think the government are going to find it hard to resi- resist that now, okay. given the year we're heading into. PJ. Okay, Charlie, I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. Thank you, as always, for being with us. Personal finance editor for the Irish Independent, Charlie Weston. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Cash cow back later this hour. Moolah to be given away with the cash cow between now and 11 listen out you got the password this morning of Casey and Ross I'm not giving it to you again you might be able to find it on what on uh, Instagram if you're looking but no I'm not giving it to you but I will look for it sometime in the next hour take a contestant and there will be some money to be won from the cash cow 0818 96 96 96 also running in the background our second competition this week with the 
Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road. Where is Fiona today? Today I am in the centre of a coastal town popular with tourists, renowned for its food and sailing. And there was a famous battle here in 1601. All right, where, where is she? I? Where is she? 08... 3-396-96-96 with your name and Fiona's location. Draw winner towards the end of the show. A few responses to Ted Tynan. I'll get to them in a while. A lot of people saying, look, you know, we, we like Ted. Ted is great. Ted, you know, his heart is in the right place, but, but maybe times have changed too much for what Ted is calling for to work. I'll come back to that. A few more reactions as well to, to Ukraine. On the consumer law, if you pay by PayPal, there's no problem. Uh, they'll freeze their account if there's a problem until it's resolved. You're right. I wouldn't buy, as my father used to say, a jacket for a gooseberry. I wouldn't buy anything online unless I could pay for it through PayPal or other some other secure payment outlet. But certainly PayPal would be the favourite. 0818969696. Also, with regard to influencers, that Charlie was saying that this new legislation will clamp down on influencers bluffing about stuff that they're given for free to promote. Any influencers have anything to say about that sort or side of the situation? But back to far more serious matters this morning and the developing story, and it is still developing. Uh, in Ukraine Uh, and I mentioned that I've only ever been there once I spent a few days there and I I noticed a couple of things one that it's a most beautiful country with some really lovely people and I remember going for a walk one afternoon something that I was supposed to do didn't happen so I decided I'd wander off for a walk around Kiev and I thought what a beautiful city I just loved it I loved its structure I loved the way it built marvellous place but someone said to me don't go in the subway so what did I do I went in the subway I wandered down I went into places that I wasn't perhaps supposed to go and what I saw was a level of poverty and a level of deprivation and children living in tunnels and living underground living pretty much living in drains and there's a incredible amount of poverty in Ukraine and it's for those people really that I feel this morning Um, now one person who knows that situation and on the ground for the poor and especially for the children who knows it better than most is our own A.D. Roach who joins me now A.D. good morning Good morning PJ You know the place so so well you must be very worried for the people you work with Yeah, I have to say, uh, PJ, like for the last couple of weeks, obviously, we've been kind of living, uh, you know, on a knife edge, on tender hooks, kind of feeling there was an air of of surrealism, um, you know, as things were unfolding, starting with the military exercises, which involved Ireland to a lesser degree when it was coming to the fishermen and the fishing area off the southwest coast. And we were following everything very carefully. And of course, as a humanitarian organisation, Our job is to just keep our heads down and to continue to do the work. But yes, we have to be acutely attuned and aware of the political backdrop. Mm. So in order for us to be able to function, we have to know as much as possible about what's actually happening on the ground. And we had to make a decision uh, in early January 
to bring forward by six months a cardiac mission, which was due to go in June. And I was going out with that. But our our surgeons felt that things were escalating and they asked, would we bring it forward? And I'm just relieved to tell you, PJ, that we managed to get the surgical team in and out having provided life-saving surgeries for 34 babies um, in Ukraine. And like, in a sense, I suppose that is the power of what we can do as hu- as a humanitarian organisation. Like, we will not allow the politics to interfere with the lives of children where possible because these children are suffering from that Chernobyl heart condition, which is something they would die with, they couldn't live with without surgeries. Now, one of the things that we're deeply concerned about at the moment is we're hearing that there's been shelling going on in one of the areas where we're very active, which is in a place called Kharkiv. Kharkiv also, it's pronounced slightly different ways, um, over the border. And, um, you know, when the invasion happened in 2014, I was there shortly after that and I saw myself tens of thousands of refugees flooding out of the Donetsk, Donbass, um, Luhansk regions. And they were coming to Kharkiv because many of them had heard about the surgeries we were doing. Mm -hmm. And indeed, we did perform surgeries where we could, but we're not able to get in touch with our personnel in Kharkiv to see, are they safe? We also have people in Lviv, which we believe has been, even though that's more further west, mm. we believe there's been some kind of activi- military activity there. And we're in touch, of course, all the time with our huge staff team of 55 plus people mm. in Belarus. And yeah. obviously they are terrified at the moment because a lot of the troop movement is through their land and, uh, you know, and, and they're on their way to the Ukrainian border. And the concerns that people on the ground um, that we are working with outside of uh, Kiev um, are telling us their concern is if there is activity, military activity in the Chernobyl exclu- exclusion zones, the, the incredible danger that would be there in the event of any escalation. But I suppose, PJ, I mean, from our mm. perspective, we have to just say like hopefully the champions of peace, you know, the voices of the United Nations, the voice of the European Union, the voice of our own neutral country, our president, our Taoiseach, uh, our Taunishta, that their voices will be strong in advocating for a peaceful resolution and no further escalation. Mm. And I suppose we can take courage and some consolation from knowing that Ireland, thank God, for the first time in a long time, actually has a seat at the table at the UN Security Council. And it's in the very safe hands of our ambassador, Geraldine Nason Byrne. And this will, the UN will play a critical role as to what happens next. And we are hoping against hope that sanity will prevail because PJ, these are the same people. They are brothers, they are sisters, they are family, Russians, Ukrainians, Belarusians. They are all of the same, you know, melting pot. And like the thought of them fighting against each other. And I know from speaking to people, PJ, in Russia, in Belarus and in Ukraine, none of them want a war. They feel it would be immoral. It would be obscene. It would be mad. These are the terms they're giving us back. And they're saying they lost 26 million in the Second World War and they do not want war to visit Mm -hmm. their territories once more. Who who I was thinking about, Aidy, this morning 
particularly was as and you and I talked about them before the subway children the subway children oh my lord I mean that that I suppose you know your 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 heart kind of misses a beat uh, when you think of those who will pay the highest price and that is always those who are you know um marginalized um who are probably don't even exist on the census um, they're non-people and these are the poorest of the poor uh, living in shocking living conditions, many of them living in these, the tunnel systems, down in subways uh, and other unsavory places. And um, it's may God help all of them. And I just do hope that, you know, what will come out of what's happening at the moment will also mean that people will rise up like the likes of non-governmental organisations like UNICEF and the Red Cross organisations like ourselves. Mm. And we will come to the support of the people because one of our concerns would be if things continue to escalate, the, the refugeeism that will come out of this. Now, I saw that personally, PJ, and nobody wanted to hear it at the time, by the way, because I was actually there in situ in 2014 I remember thinking I was in the middle of a nightmare when uh, one of the doctors brought me down to the railway station, which is a beautiful, magnificent railway station in Kharkiv. And it was teeming with tens of thousands of people with just the clothes they stood up on and, and, and small little plastic bags with basic things and volunteers trying to give out bread and milk to the children. And they had nowhere to go. I actually still don't know where all of those tens of thousands of people ended up. And we were seeing children being um, herded off buses uh, from Donbass and Donetsk and all that region uh, where the incursion at that time had happened. And they were being sent off. They were being shipped off in little uh, lines of two by two, put onto a train. And nobody knew their parents saying goodbye to them. Nobody knew where they were going. Now, they ended up down in Odessa to keep them safe. But it just reminded me so much of the kinder trains and the trains that has happened during the Second World War when the Jewish children, the few that got out, were being, um, you know, put on the trains. And it's just that my heart breaks, really, because we've just watched the refugee crisis coming out of Yemen, coming out of Syria, coming out of Afghanistan. And we know what that is like. And now it's going to visit one of our European neighbours. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope and pray that sanity prevails and that really, as I say, the champions of peace, the world leaders, whether they're political, religious, um, humanitarian, that they come to the fore and that all these voices unite together to try and stop any further escalation. Okay. Adi, you've summed it up better than any. Um, as I said, you know the ground over there better than most. And thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line. Adi Roach of Chernobyl Children International. Great to see that she got that cardiac program done and dusted and over just in time. But now there are shells falling near the cardiac unit. Heartbreaking stuff. Thanks, Adi. 0818 96 96 96. Tom says it's time to recall our army back from overseas. Tim, I don't know, but I'd wonder if Vlad is going to head straight to Baltic states via southern Lithuania, encircling and cutting the area off. This is a big, big game. Caller says, Vladimir's training is at a covert, as a covert spy. He'll never publicly show his hand. We literally don't know if this is only the start or if he really only wanted to go into the independent republics of Luhansk and Donetsk. Well, what he has declared independent republic. People 
uh, and then maybe he'll go further then and pull back as a concession to the West. He'll keep us guessing, and he's very, very shrewd. Well, that is true, caller. A lot of people have described him that way. Uh, Jimmy says, PJ, it has happened. I thought it wouldn't. The problem now is our neutrality. It merely exists on paper. We're no longer neutral, but we're a prime target. We must join NATO to be able to defend ourselves. I'm sure, Jimmy, a lot of people would argue the complete opposite. Some people unhappy about some of Michael Murphy's analysis, but Michael has made a career for himself of calling stuff out that wasn't necessarily pleasant, that we didn't necessarily want to hear, but he's one of these people who's been right more often than he's wrong, and I will leave it right there for now. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Here from 12 with the tunes to fly you through Thursday afternoon. Your chance to go to Old Trafford to see a Champions League game and more moolah to be won with the cash cow. Straight after the Opinion Line here on Cork's 96 I said this before and I'll say it again. I would hate now to be trying to embark on the buying of a house. And I feel so much for youngsters and young people in their 20s and into their 30s who are trying just to get on that ladder, trying just to buy or nail down the deposit for that first house. Like the problems trying to get deposits and trying to get someone to lend to you and the salaries out there in the market just don't match the cost, the shocking cost of property. Justin Cullinan uh, runs memorybootcamp.com a financial planning service and Justin you've addressed this in in an interesting series of, of instructions and tips for people and we want to talk about it. Good morning to you. Hey, morning, PJ. So just clarify, it's uh, moneybootcamp.com. Moneybootcamp. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, it's a tough situation out there, but, you know, looking to give a bit of hope for people that there are things that they can personally do to help them out. So, you know, if I say anything here that it works for people, take it away. And if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you, you know, because sometimes you talk in generalities and people get annoyed when it, it, it doesn't suit them. So, you know, if it, if it doesn't work, it's not for them. So the first thing people need to do is, is answer the soft questions. So figure out, you know, long-term what they're looking for, right? Cause you don't want to buy in the wrong place. You don't want to buy at the wrong time and you want to make sure it suits your long-term goals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you're someone who is childless now and you're planning on having kids, you don't want to be trying to rush in to just get any sort of property you can get, end up in a wood be- wooden bedroom apartment, and then you end up trying to have two or three kids and you end up not being able to move. So you want to look at the kind of softer side questions. Are you going to be putting down roots? Where is that going to work with your long-term career plans? Um, where you want to live? You know, a lot of times now you have, not everyone here is Irish anymore, so if someone's in a relationship with someone from abroad or they're from abroad, you know, do you want to be going back home to your family or are you going to be staying here in Ireland and where are your jobs 
you know, going to be best. Be that Cork, Dublin, you know, one of the towns, whatever it is. Yeah, I think Does that makes sense. Absolutely. I think what a lot of people out there now, Justin, that at least have spoken to this program, is they'll take whatever they can get. At, at, within yeah, and, their and, and that's that's a big problem because what happens is people rush into things and you have all of these powers pushing against you. You know, you have your parents, you have all the well, property never goes down. It's the best thing. You talk to any, you know, real estate people, they go, by now it's hot. So you need to be careful not to rush into things and make sure if you're buying, you need to be buying in case this is your forever home, be that whatever it is. Does that make sense? It does, of course, yeah. I mean, I remember when I bought my my first house back in, well, it was the 90s. Um, I remember thinking, right, this is where we'll be forever. Uh, but it wasn't, you know? Um, and, and, and that's fine if that happens. You know, That's it's, it's better that that happens and you're ready for it to be your forever home. And, you know, your situation changes and you're able to move rather than going, ah, you know, I'll change in a few years if things work out. And you end up stuck just because you rushed in. What is a minefield, or seems to be, is the rules about lending and how much you need to have as as a deposit, and where the hell you're supposed to get that money. Yeah, look, it, it's a tough one, but a big thing I see with people is they they don't understand the rules, and that it's you know they they're almost they're simple. It's difficult to get there, but it's simple. You know, you've got three big rules, so. You need to hit the deposit, first-time buyer 10%, switcher 20, or an investor 30, right? You have the income rules, which is three and a half times your income, be that on your own, or if you're in a relationship, your joint income, right? And then the third point is affordability. So that's, can you actually afford the mortgage? So you hop on one of these mortgage calculators and see what the, you know, the price is, the term, and it'll give you your monthly uh, amount. So if you're hitting that with your savings and your rent, you're fine. You know, people think sometimes that their rent doesn't count. But if your mortgage is going to be a thousand and your rent is eight hundred and you're saving two hundred, that will be okay. Yeah, yeah. Of course, rents are so but, much. You know, it, higher it's, at the it's moment. tough. Then, rents are very, very high. Yeah, like rents are higher now, Justin, than than most mortgage payments, and that's a general statement I know. But I, like, take here in Cork, uh, you know, you would pay. You'd pay less on a mortgage for a property than you do to rent it. Yeah, and that's that's the tough one as well when people are looking to switch. But you know, if 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 you're able to if you're able to build that savings, or even if you're able to build any savings and show your rent, that's what the banks need to show that you can afford. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So if your rent is going to be higher than your mortgage, you know, once you have your other ducks in a row, you'll be able to to move forward with it. You know, because that's a big concern people have. Okay, I know I can afford the mortgage, but I can't get there. But if you can get there, you can show your rents more. You can show your savings. Bank, other lenders are going to give you the, you know, the mortgage you need. Get good at record keeping. And you talk about good financial health. What's that? Yeah. That's more than so just having it, money in your pocket, I guess. No, there's 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 a lot of things to this. So, okay, if if you're looking to get yourself a mortgage, you're looking to buy a home, okay, you want to do the basics. You want to set up your automatic savings, set up an account, you know, label it mortgage or label it a home uh, deposit. If you're not meeting that rent plus amount or if your rent covers it and you've a bit of savings there, great. If you're not getting there, you need to start cutting expenses but a big one now, you said it, the, the, you know, jobs. A lot of times at the moment, people are staying in jobs too long. The job market is hot. So, if you know, you see it, okay, inflation is going up. But if you're in a job, you need to be going to your employer and asking for a raise where possible. And if, if, if it's not possible, you need to start looking elsewhere because there are a lot of jobs out there right now and they're having to pay people more. So... You know, if you're able to change a job, it can be a great time to do it right now. And this might not come up for a while again. Yeah. You talk about financial hygiene. What's that? Okay. So financial hygiene is tidying things up, right? Okay. So you'll get a lot of stuff on this, but this can be a simple one of, you know, people will make bank transfers to their friend and they'll put silly notes. There was an article on this recently saying, a bank had reached out to a guy, you know, saying, okay, we know it's probably a joke, but we have to investigate. Tell your friends to stop saying ISIS payments and things like that and, and transfers. You know, uh, you want to make sure if if you have your transfers going around to different accounts, you're not hitting the overdraft. You're not getting charged with those, you know, you don't have money, so we're charging you money expenses because they look bad for the bank. They're things that they don't want to see. So, if you're going to be putting money into your savings, try keep a couple of hundred quid extra in your account before you do that, your current account, so you don't hit your overdraft. You don't get those extra charges. And these are the, you know, these are the little things that'll mean you're you're not gonna you're not gonna trip up on something silly. Mm. Banks like to see a fairly clean record for the six months before you go looking for money, correct? They want you to be as boring as possible. No surprises, right? They want to look at your account and go, yep, your money comes in this day of the month. You pay money out to your rent this day. Your savings goes out this day. And, you know, we can see essentially the same meals every single day. Like, they don't want any surprises at all. Now, that doesn't always 
mix with people's actual lifestyle. But if you can make it look more and more like that, you'll be better off and it'll be easier to get along. How far back do the bank look when you come to them for a very large loan? So, look, most people, they're going to look back six months anyway. That's the standard. If, If you have your financial hygiene in place, if everything's looking good, they won't have to look further. But if you're a bit messier, it, you know, if if you have a bit more of a complex situation, they will start looking back further. So that's where, especially say if you have your own business, you really need to have your ducks in a row because it can be harder when your income isn't as stable. Yeah. Now, uh, a lot of people will be renting and working on contract and it's much yeah. harder for them to get mortgages. Any advice there? Uh, this is this is one that's like all these things. It's a lot easier to say than is to do. You know, it is when you're looking to get a mortgage. It's better to be in a you know secure, full time, permanent job. So if if you can, sometimes people need to, to you know pass up a job opportunity that could be better. You know, but in the short term, less secure, just to get this in a row you know it's the same way that sometimes you'll see women will kind of um plan the ability when they move into a company that the maternity leave might not be paid over you know after a certain amount of time so you need to plan for these things and think about how your timing and your timeline of when you want to buy is going to be impacted Mm -hmm. so that's like i say with people job switching if your timeline is i want to buy a home in two years you know, now is a good time to change jobs. Mm. If you're near the end of your your timeline, you say, ah, I'm three to six months from, you know, hope to put a deposit down. Don't change a job. You're going to put yourself in trouble. Yeah, yeah. You, you always seem to have this message that, look, it's hard, very hard, but it can be done and the help is there. Yeah, like... <laughs> You know, we we're bombarded with negativity because you know that it that sells and that's that's good for the news. But there, there's people getting homes every single day, so you know there there's there's hope out there, and there's you know there is the ability to make these things happen. So you know people can you know people can lean on their friends. If you know someone who's recently gone through the process, make sure you talk to them and you know what's coming. People are often surprised by the costs and the charges or the little things that come up that you wouldn't necessarily know about. I had a client in the last year who did not know about, or actually last year, probably two or three years now, didn't know about the help to buy scheme. That, when you included that in his deposit, which is allowed, it meant his two-year timeline, he was actually able to get a home in the next three to six months for him. So... You know, you don't know what you don't know. So you can go to professionals. You can come to people like myself, moneybootcamp.com. You can walk into the bank and go to brokers. You can go to friends, anyone you know who's good with money, people who previously bought a house. You know, there's a lot of knowledge out there and we don't talk about money enough. So it can be done and you can lean on people to help. Last question has come in, Justin, and I'll put it to you if you have any idea where we might go with it. Is there any way around this situation? I bought a house from family with a large loan from the credit union. I'm divorced, but still named on a previous mortgage, but I have nothing to do with the house. Where do I go? Um, (laughs) Any sort of messy situation like this, a little bit messier, 
talk to a solicitor, talk to an advisor. Um, that that's not something I'd answer off the cuff without looking into the details because that's that's going to get a bit more complex. Yeah, yeah, De- definitely go see a solicitor there. I think Justin, thank you very much. It's uh, it is moneybootcamp.com. That's it. Pleasure, PJ. Bye now. Cheers. Oh uh, eight one eight. 96, 96, 96. I like his take on it that there's so much negativity out there. You'd be afraid of your life to even try. But if you are able to try and your ducks are in a row and your accounts are clean and you've got a couple of quid, which is the hardest part, then it can be done. 0818 96, 96, 96. Speaking of money, I'm not so sure we can get you a mortgage on a house, but there's a few quid there nonetheless. The Corks 96 FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Okay, at this stage, people know the score. They know the deal. They know what happened. If the cows moo, if the cow moos, what happens, Rachel? If the cow moos. Hi, no, no money. <laughs> who, who, who have I got? Hello? This is Sherelle, my daughter. She was looking to come on all the time. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what you might do, Rachel? Pick up the phone till we play the game because I can't hear you otherwise. Perfect. Brilliant. Okay. And we'll say hello to Sherelle when you're done. And I've given yeah. ma- hopefully given Mammy some money. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. <laughs> all right. There's money there for you. So here's the drill. I'm going to let the clock go. You'll start to hear amounts of money if you hear one you want to stick with just shout stop if you want to go on again and try for more you stay there but if the cow moves you lose we've given money away every day on the opinion line so far so don't be the first one that doesn't get money off me you'd be giving about you'd be giving out about me for the rest of the year right are you ready to play Rachel so remember if the cow moves you lose here we go 250 euros. 250, where do you want to go? We'll go again. You're going to go again? Here we go, let's see. 150 euros. I've gone down. Oh, 150. What do you want to do? Gonna go again. You're going to go again. One more. We're going to go one more time. One more time. 100 euros. Oh. You take it, you take it. All right, you'll take it. Here's what was going to happen next, I think. 350 euros. You took the 100. Because the next one was Luke, I think. So you got 100 quid, Rachel. Now, what's that little girl's name? Put her on to me. Hi, Sherelle. Hi. How are you? Good. You're going to get Mammy to buy you something with her 100 euro, are you? Yeah. Brilliant. All right, Rachel. And, and Sherelle, our, our youngest listener today. Thanks, Sherelle. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you very much. Great, great, great. Well done. Put you back on to, to the lads there. Get some more details off you. Thousands and thousands of euro to give away with the cash cap. Now, Sarah Gray of Sarah Gray Coaching. My first question to you, Sarah. What is a visibility coach and why would I need one? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well, thank you. A visibility, it's a new one yeah. on me. What's a, what's a, vis- what's a visibility <laughs> coach? 
Yeah. So since the pandemic, there's a lot of coaches out there and a visibility coach is to show your value. And that can be in any which way value, you know, in a company to get a promotion, the value that you can close a client if you own a business. And I've been a sales and visibility coach for about three years now. Okay. Talking earlier on this morning with Justin Cullinan about getting your ducks in a row if you're trying to borrow money and buy a house and he was saying that now is the time because of the jobs market as it is now is the time to go to your boss and put it to your boss I need a raise so how do you put yourself in that window because most people are going oh um, you know I I can't afford it I can't live I need more money how do you go from that to I need you need to pay me more money and do you know what happened PJ one of my employees did that to me last week and she just went straight and asked me and she got the raise and my advice for anyone who's looking for a raise because they need to make more money because of inflation is two ways because first I think in the workplace you have to make a decision that you're going to measure your impact that you're making in the company you know it's very easy if you're in a sales role but if you're not in a sales role what contribution or what impact are you making to the company? What presentations are you giving? What ideas are you bringing to the table? What reports are you creating? And once you start measuring that, it's going to be so much easier for you to say, hey, this is what I'm doing, because more than likely your manager or your boss are so busy with their own stuff that when it goes to make a decision about giving you a pay raise, it's not on their radar until your performance. So... You know, with me and my employees, I've eight, I've eight staff and we schedule in monthly check-ins where they come to me with their sharing their results. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that in place, PJ, I think it's important to ask your manager or your boss, can I check in with you for 15 minutes once a month so I can share my contributions and my impact with you? So that when you do go for asking for a pay rise, it's going to be easy for you to do that because they're going to be aware of what your contributions are. People would say, well, surely my boss knows how hard I work because I meet my deadlines, I deliver my tasks. Surely they know. No, because they're so bogged down by their own tasks. You know, they have their own problems, their own tasks, and they may not be aware of all your accomplishments because it's not just about your, your deadlines or your KPIs that you're meeting. You know, you may be involved in volunteer efforts in the company or you may be involved in cross promotion, you know, cross collaboration projects. And they may not be aware of the full impact of your contributions to the company. And I think a lot of employees get annoyed by that. They're like, how are they not getting that? That was my idea in that business meeting. That, that report was actually done by me. You know, this was my contribution. So if you measure your contribution, you set up that monthly check-in with your boss. Mm. And and also it's, but it, you got to create the culture, PJ, because in the company itself, why don't you start, you know, promoting the visibility of others? Because then they'll create that culture where we're all together. The team is being visible. So if you see someone else doing a good job, and in my team, they love saying, oh my God, Debbie was amazing or Jessica was amazing. They all promote each other which creates that culture. Um, And then it's so much more easier to ask for that raise. But also, you know, with my team and with my clients, a a big thing is that they make their goals known to management. 
Mm. You know, you got to plant that seed. You know, I I was one of my staff, Shannon, she's in marketing and she said that she wants to do sales. And I didn't know that that was her goal. And if it wasn't known to me, it's very hard for me to say yes to a pay raise. I didn't know mm. where where she wanted to go in her career with me. So in the workplace, I think you need to realize that you got to make your contributions and your impact known, set those monthly check-ins, mm. promote others and make your goals known. But also PG, it's online. Mm. You know, are you increasing your value online? You yeah. know, we're all online. You're a huge fan, um, I think, of LinkedIn. Now, of all of the various sites, <laughs> I, am, I am on LinkedIn. I have to say I'm lazy. Because I look, I go, oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you sign it, great, you know, I find, but you're saying it's an important place to be and an important place to be yeah. prominent. Yeah, like we all actually have, as an employee, you have an executive personal branding and you do too, PJ. And with your executive personal branding on LinkedIn, it increases your value as an employee. Now, this is not if you're just looking for a new job or you're looking for a promotion throughout your career, you have to be working on your executive personal branding and it elevates you as a thought leader in whatever you do. And I'm on about, you know, low level, mid, mid level management, senior manager. You know, I've had over 600 clients that I've taught LinkedIn to and it's really heightening their visibility on LinkedIn has massively impacted like they've got. You know, um, they've got to get job promotions. They've gotten, you know, seen by their boss, by what they're sharing on LinkedIn. Um, And, you know, especially after the pandemic, I think everyone is online. And LinkedIn, aside from Instagram or Facebook or TikTok, those kind of platforms, LinkedIn is business. Yeah. It's the professionals. And aside from other platforms, you don't need thousands of followers or connections to be an influencer in your industry on LinkedIn. And what I always say to my clients is, if your company has a LinkedIn page, they have a LinkedIn business page, your company would massively appreciate if you're sharing the page's content. If you're, you know, contributing to the marketing, even if you're not in the marketing, say you're in HR, if you're sharing the accomplishments or the updates from your company's LinkedIn page to your profile, that shows your involvement in the company and it shows that you're really part of, Mm. you know, cross collaboration. And I think we all need to think about what is our executive personal brand on LinkedIn, go get a professional photo done. And like you get a photo done on your phone, our iPhones, you know, our smartphones are such high quality. Mm. Take a good photo update your experience, you know, add your accomplishments and grow that high quality network um, within your industry, within your company. Like the, you have the power to connect with your CEO of your company on LinkedIn. That's right. That's right. The, you know, the, there's a thing about, and I, I don't know whether it's an old Irish thing, Sarah, maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be shown off now. Get about your job, keep your head down, be grateful for your wages, don't be showing off. But in the world where you have to self-promote, there's a fine line and you have to dance on the right side of it. Well, I think it's both. It's adding value and, and showing your accomplishments. So if it's the case on LinkedIn, couldn't you be a thought leader by sharing value in whatever, whatever your role is? 
sharing industry trends, sharing, you know, contributing as well as sh- showcasing their accomplishments. It, it is, PJ, I think it's a, an Irish thing because even with my business success um, in the past two years, I have my uncles coming to me, why are you posting that on social media? How well you're doing it? Why are you posting that? And uh, I think you just need to get out of your own head and realize that when you, cre- when you increase your value by sharing your accomplishments in the workplace or on LinkedIn, mm. You're getting you're getting rewarded for it. Right. And how, you how do you know though when you're? How do you know instinctively, or can you learn to know instinctively when you are adding value, or when you are just bragging? How do you know? Yeah, I think it depends. You know, um, let's say if you're if you're successful in a project, you can share insights as well as brag about the results of the project. So it's 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 a fine line, you know. Like let's say if you were in marketing, your role was in marketing, and you want to share on LinkedIn uh, a successful ad campaign that you ran for your company to show uh, the value you bring, or in a report, you can give insights so other people can learn from it, as well as sharing the results. And I think you just need to realize that you're worth the increase in wages. You're worth being valued in the company that you're in and they can't know that if you're not sharing that with them. Yeah, I think that's the, the lesson to take. Lesson one is no matter how good you are, your boss may not yeah. know because they've got their own stuff to deal with. So yeah. if you're going to go about getting that raise that's where we started, your boss needs to know your value to him or her and yeah. we've got to get it into our heads. They don't actually realise what you're doing no. sometimes. No. No, like uh, like last week alone, I've increased one one of my staff's wages because she took on a new role that I wasn't aware she was doing. She was managing someone else on the team. I wasn't aware she was doing it. And she brought it to my attention and she laid out her goals. She shared her accomplishments and shared where she could improve and grow. And I was like, yeah, like I, I back you 100% and I value you. And I, I that's the culture I've created, though, within the within the company. And if that's not the culture culture in your company, you just need to put yourself out there and say, with your monthly check-ins with your boss, just say, this is what I've done. And maybe ask, how can I improve? But they're aware that you're, um, that you're getting results and you're contributing to the team and to the company. Last day, and I'm a bit tight for time, but yeah. what is the skinny branch and why should none of us be afraid to walk onto it? Can you do that in one minute for me? Yeah, I I think you need to realize um, the value of who you are and the contributions you bring to the company, your team, and not be afraid to put that out in line because um, there's no point in hiding uh, the value you bring and the accomplish that you have in a company because it's time for people to realize how amazing you are at your job and um, you need to let go of... Yeah, do not be afraid to tell them. It's a mindset thing. It is, it is. It's a mindset thing. Well, maybe we can get people started on that today. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah Gray of Sarah Gray Coaching. Show show them how good you are. They may not necessarily know. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Today I am in the centre of a coastal town popular with tourists, renowned for its food and sailing. And there was a famous battle here in 1601. Where am I? Where is she indeed? Where is Fiona? 083 396 96 96. Text or WhatsApp her location and your name. And somebody will win another 500 euro voucher from the Furniture Centre at Watercourse Road. We're giving one away every day this week. A range of custom-made Irish sweets, dining furniture, mattresses and an Irish-made sofa delivered in just four to six weeks. It's a family-run business for over 40 years and they're with us this week on The Opinion Line. So where is Fiona and your name to 083 396 96 96. Now, speaking of where is she, a lot of people were talking about the, this dream, you know, at one point during lockdown, we're all working from home and we're looking at building home offices and getting online and moving the job parent. Wouldn't it be lovely to be down in West Cork looking out at the sea? And getting doing a bit of work done, and you have the shortest commute in Ireland to just downstairs into the kitchen, make the coffee, sit down, look at the sea, and just click away on the computer and fire. How lovely it would be. But then lockdown's gone, and people are back in the offices. Um, has it all faded like every dream does? Like every lovely dream, it fades or goes grey, or you look at the weather and you go, actually, do you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be so nice down there now. But Magella. Galvin uh, is with Network Ireland West Cork and has been looking at the whole property scene and uh, the, the vice chair of the Chartered Surveyors in that part of the world, Magella. Has the gloss gone off West Cork a little bit now that things are getting slowly back to normal? Good morning. You certainly painted a lovely picture of West Cork. Didn't and I? it it is all of that. Um, so I suppose really... Yeah, people are kind of going back hybrid working and things like that. But we still have the demand for properties out here. And West Cork, I suppose, the one thing that the pandemic has done, it has really changed the way people see things. And people are kind of really looking at the quality of life now. Mm. Mm. And where better can you get than West Cork? There you go. And the hardest day's work is eased by a glance out to sea or a walk Absolutely. in the countryside Absolutely. in West Cork. You know, and so there now, you, have property you, prices gone crazy down there or are they threatening to go crazy? Um, absolutely. Like, property prices are, um, you know, they've come on the past year, like they've 15%, you're talking, you could see 20% in coastal areas. Absolutely, there is. I suppose our biggest issue, PJ, is there's not enough properties there. We have too many buyers and properties aren't coming on the market. And um, why? I suppose one of the main reasons is, you know, sellers are sitting in the fence because in the end of the day, in the end of the day, you have to remember that a seller is also a buyer. So they're looking out in the market and they're saying, what do we buy? Lack of alternative accommodation out there. So, you know, sitting on the fence, afraid to put their property in the market. Mm. So that's particularly in the second-hand market. So that's why we're seeing a huge shortage in supply. 
Yeah, and with a shortage in supply comes a massive inflation of price. And then the worry is we get a bubble and we know what happens to our peril when bubbles burst. Is there a danger of it? Well, I think a bubble is a hot topic at the moment, absolutely. It's it's throughout a lot of people's minds. But I think, like, I suppose one thing PJ I always say is that nobody can predict the future. Um, but what we do know is that the demand for property far exceeds supply. Yeah. And I suppose the difference now, PJ, between now and 15 years ago is that the market is not fueled by credit. We're seeing a lot of cash buyers mm. and the central bank lending rules are keeping us in check. Yeah. Looking at figures that came out there from the CSO in the last few days about the amount of money sitting saved that people did things like cleared overdrafts and when they weren't going out on a Saturday night they were doing things like clearing overdrafts and paying off old bills and stuff and now there's money sitting in bank accounts and you're saying that that reduces the, 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 the danger of a bubble, does it? Well, I suppose what we're what I'm saying is that um, you know we have first time buyers coming into us having saved up a deposit because they went home to leave, they you know they saved from going out, holidays were stopped. So it's it's phenomenal to think that you know you saved a substantial sum during that time. What kind of stuff are people looking at? Was it old properties? that had a bit of character and you could love them back to modernity or was it the more modern stuff? Like, I'd be a mad fan of glass. Yeah, and you know, I have to say I love the glass myself, PG. I'd be a Dermot Bannon fan that way. Um, I suppose really you have to look at what what type of buyer is you. The first-time buyer who are mainly looking at the new home market with good energy rating um, and that's fueled by the Help to Buy scheme the green mortgages and then you go on you look at the trader upper who are typically families looking for more space again looking for the rural area and with good amenities and being close to family you then go on to people downsizing the type of property they're looking for is something with low maintenance and usually close to towns and villages with good public transport and amenities. Mm -hmm. But I suppose one thing that we're finding overall the board is that with, I suppose, a property that is ready to walk into is the top seller, mainly because if you have a property that requires work, people are simply afraid of the rising cost of construction and, you know, the shortage of labour who do they get to do it? The uncertainty there. Yeah, yeah. The cost of, even the cost of putting a small extension on a standard home that you might buy, that cost has gone up dramatically in the last 12 to 18 months. Is that affecting buying and selling? is Is it affecting selling and buying? Well, I suppose what it's doing is it's, causing uncertainty there and we de- we definitely see as I say that properties that require work are slower in the market mm, mm. and they're really kind of depending on the cash buyer Yeah. now if I was to look at areas where you'd like to go in West Cork for example you know Clon um, Skibbereen beautiful Baltimore you know there are particular areas that would come quickly to the mind are there places that people are looking that we might not know about? 
Well, I mean, all coastal areas are in high demand. But would you believe, um, PJ, like West Cork in general is in high demand. And from a lo- we've had a lot of people coming down from Dublin, Limerick, you know, who'd have sold their properties, say they sell their semi up in Dublin for good money and they get a fine sized property down in West Cork with great value for money. Mm. Um, so there is a lot of that going on. But um, you have then, you, you look at city buyers, even especially young professionals who are kind of priced out of Cork City, looking at commuter towns like Bandon, Carrigaline, Ballancolleg, but even Ballancolleg now, you know, is, is has reached capacity. So, you know, people are looking outside the box. They're widening their search. Mm. You mentioned the commuters. Like, is is commuting a problem given the increasing price of fuel? So you might find your lovely home down in West Cork and it's close to a main road and it's a grand handy commute into town if you have to come to town. But the cost of that is skyrocketing too. Um, absolutely, PJ. Um, but I suppose one thing we have to look at is how we're living, behaviours, the way we're working. And um, this hybrid working is um, causing, is, is more sustainable. Mm. And I suppose it's facilitating people to work from home, um, which is saving time and costs. And employers are generally um, finding it more productive. Mm. Coming back to the, the sort of areas that people are looking at that we might not think of, you mentioned Bandon Town and, and places like Downlaw. Would, would, do people look at one-offs that are on sale? Absolutely. Um, in fact, there is a shortage of one-off housing in the market because I suppose that goes back to planning. You know, the tendency is towards high density and at the moment people are mad for the one-off just a few kilometres outside the town. Very hard to get. Um, so it, it's kind of down to what condition that property is in. Mm. Is it then, and you often hear this term, a seller's market at the moment? Yes, um, I suppose it's a great time to sell a property. You've less competition, more buyers with savings from the pandemic. But PJ, you know, it's not without challenges. Um, you have to remember sellers are buyers as well. So they're, as I said earlier, they're looking to buy a new home in a market where there's limited stock. Mm. And you can get caught in a chain as well. Absolutely. But I think the main thing is, you know, the wise thing really is always, if you can, to sell before you buy. Because, you know, if you go in and you want to put an offer on your next dream home and you say, oh, my, I have to put my own home up for sale, you're not going in with a strong offer. If you have your cash in your pocket, you know, as they say, cash, it came. Yeah. And I suppose, PJ, it's also about, you know, how to handle those challenges. It's about sitting down with your chartered estate agent and having transparency, planning your move, setting your timelines. And, you know, your agent will work around that with you. Yeah. So, and I was talking previously to to Justin, a financial planner on the programme, and I think what I'm hearing from you, Magella, to finish up is, right, if you decide you want to move to West Cork, if the job will allow, if circumstances will allow, if you have a bit of money and you've, you've, you've an eye on a location, 
sit down and don't run tomorrow. Start planning. Start talking to people like yourselves down there. Yes, absolutely. I mean, um, I suppose an important thing which a lot of buyers and sellers aren't aware is that they are people that come to us with off-market properties, meaning they don't want their properties advertised, but we go to our own internal database of buyers and to find a a buyer for that. So if you're not registered, say, on our database, you might know about the property coming for sale. I see. So it's it's it is very important, and look, we're in the business over forty years, and we're more than happy to sit down with anyone and discuss the challenges and help them through this journey. All right, listen, Magella, good to spend time talking with you about beautiful West Cork and people who want to move there for the new world in which we live. Magella Galvin, she's a with DNG Galvin Voice Estate Agents or Galvin Voice Estate Agents. Thank you very much, Magella. No doubt we will talk again. 0818 96 96 96. We have a lot of stuff. A lot of you are very engaged on, on, on Ukraine. Michael says, PJ, for what it's worth, here's my opinion of the present situation. And Michael spent years in the diplomatic services so he kind of knows what he's talking about. We now see how ineffective NATO and the EU are when it comes to confronting a bully. In the past, Europe cowed before Hitler and later before Stalin. Now Europe and America are incapable of dealing with Putin's bully boy tactics. In my opinion, Europe and the world are in serious difficulty from the standard of politicians who are in place. I was saying weeks ago, says this message, that the, when the Russian Navy arrived off the West Coast, it was in prime position to stop the U.S. Army from refueling in Shannon. Putin now has all his ducks in a row. There's lots, lots of you contacting us. My wife is Ukrainian. It's up. It's by email to opinion at ninety six fm. e. My wife is Ukrainian. Her father is living alone in Ukraine in the middle of all this. It's too late now to get a visa to bring him here, and we're very worried. Why doesn't the? I beg your pardon. Why doesn't the Irish government? give the innocent Ukrainian citizens the option to come here to be safe. There are many Ukrainians living in Ireland. And what Putin wants is simple. He wants to restore Russia to the USSR before the fall of the Berlin Wall. And he wants all Eastern European countries that were part of the Soviet Union before borders came down across Europe. Ukraine, Latvia, Lithuania, all these. He won't stop. This is history repeating itself. Going back to 1939, Hitler used the same excuse when he grabbed German-speaking parts of Austria and the Czech Republic. Nobody stopped him, and we saw what happened. The people of Germany and Eastern Europe are still paying that price today. It's a rather dark view of what's happening, but I guess it's a dark day in world history. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie What mystery from your childhood have you finally solved many, many years later? Honestly, I kid you not, I was 34 before I realised that mice do not grow up to be rats. Love the show. Are you having a laugh? 
the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221 and always open 24 7 at noeldc.com. Lots of your comments I'm holding over on uh, what Ted Tiny was saying earlier on about policing in the north side and community policing and all of that. I'll come back to that. It might be tomorrow by the time I get back to him, but that's okay too. And that uh, message I read out, quite distressing message from someone who's here uh, from Ukraine, whose dad is living on his own over there and it's too late to get a visa to get him out. Well... Uh, Gavin Riley of Virgin Media has tweeted in the last while that the Department of Foreign Affairs and Justice are to waive visa visa requirements for all Ukrainian citizens coming to Ireland. So that might be something that helps that listener there. 0818 96 96 96. Joe, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You're trying to raise awareness of cardiac arrest and how it can catch any one of us at any time. And you to be a reasonably fit and healthy man. I was indeed. And uh, one particular Tuesday morning last uh, year, I picked up a prescription from my mother-in-law and I was heading home from the surgery place. And uh, I went into the centre, local centre shop to pick up a loaf of bread and the paper. But uh, I usually buy the, I hope I can say this, the Daily Mail and the paper for the sport. Mm-hmm. And they were all sold out in the central shop. So I would be passing the um, lace shop on my way home, so I'd pass my car in the back and went in. Mm-hmm. Picked up my paper, and I was standing in the queue. There was a chap in front of me. And all of a sudden, I just felt the paper. I couldn't grip the paper with my left hand. It just fell to the ground. And I fell backwards. I tried to save myself, but I couldn't. So the quick action of the staff of the Mace supermarket, they ran to the next door pharmacy for Dr. Joe Brown, who had recently been trained in CPR. Mm-hmm. And only for that PJ, I'd have been a dead man. Mm-hmm. Because he walked on me for some length of time, I think, before Dr. Hugh Dolan and the rap, East Cork Rapid Response came on the scene. And Dr. Ranji, who's based next door to the chemist shop, also came to render assistance. And they walked on me anyway, and there was ambulances and everything came away. And they used the new defibrillator that was recently installed in our village. Yeah. And Dr. Gordon walked with me on that. I believe I was gone. Mm-hmm. And um, the next I knew, I was in the... Um, ITU unit of the LCUH. Right. And I woke up thinking it was Tuesday, March, when a nurse came to me and she said, Joseph, you're after waking up, thank God. And she said, I'd have to get that Professor Curtin who looked after me to have a look at you. Mm-hmm. And I said, Am I here long? And she said, You were here since yesterday. Nurse right. PJ, it seemed to me PJ was only there five minutes. Yeah. And I came home. And you'd no so, idea, like, so li- literally, you're standing in a queue to pay for your newspaper, and you feel no strength in your hand, you can't catch the newspaper, and that's the last thing you remember. That's the very last thing I remember. No pain, no ache, nothing. And uh, I was told by Professor Cotton that I was after a cardiac arrest. Crikey. And I, I was astonished, I said, a cardiac arrest? I have to take you in, is it? No, he said, you had a cardiac arrest. So I was very brave enough to ask him what was the difference. Yeah. So he said, I have to take a swim blood cancel through your veins, 
or something to that effect. But he said, your, your ailment was, your heart was actually stopped, he says, for 37 minutes. Wow. He said, I had Dr. Hugh Dorn and all the rapid response, the CARI-2 rapid response and the East Cork rapid response. The quick action of the uh, ambulance force, there were two ambulances arrived that morning and the staff at the COH couldn't have been better. Mm. So this morning, that's what I'm trying to highlight, is that the importance that everybody, and mind you, I can't do it myself, should be able to do CPR. Indeed. Just come back to there for a second. That A lot of people wouldn't have known that difference between the heart attack and cardiac arrest. And like you asked your doctor, well, they're the same thing, aren't they? No, they absolutely are not. Your heart no. just stopped. Do it they, stopped. Do they know why? No, and they don't know why. And I was told in the hospital that if I was after dying that morning, but thankfully I didn't, the um, results would be put down as sudden adult death syndrome, which is unknown. It happened to a footballer as well from County Derry there a few years ago. It happened to me, it did. Yeah, he was fit and healthy. He only went to bed and never got up. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and also, it's, it's, it's very, it, it, hap- it happens more than we think, actually. It does, yeah. And uh, I'd just like to highlight as well that, you know, you'd see people interfering with the defibrillators. I was just going to go there too, yeah. Yeah, if that wasn't there that morning, I wouldn't be here now talking to VJ and that's a fact. Yeah, yeah. But my heart was actually stopped for 37 minutes. That's yeah. what I was told after, I remember nothing. Yes, yes. Well, you wouldn't remember much, did you? <laughs> did you go back? Did you go? I mean, I've, I assume you've gone back to the shop afterwards and spoken to the staff and all that. I did, and I thanked them all, and I thanked the pharmacist, uh, Joe Brown, and I also thanked the rapid response and Dr. Hugh Dorn and the character rapid responders. Mm. And uh, I think my look was all to be because if I got the paper, I'd say, PJ, in this centre shop. I would have been driving home. I'm a mile outside Caritool Village, oh. a place called Barry Scott. I know it, I know it. And I'd have died behind the wheels of my daughter's car, I suppose, and killed somebody else, maybe. Oh, Joe, that puts a whole different angle on it, doesn't so, it? It does. See, and you'd have been a healthy enough, I mean, I'm not going to ask what age you are, you can tell me if you want to, but you'd be... Well, 65, 65, Oh, happy birthday. You're a young man. You're a young man. So, um, like... So, and you'd, you'd be reasonably fit, would you walk a bit? Oh, I would, yeah. Right. And I'd, uh, I'd look after my sisters as much as I can make, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But uh, uh, this, this just happened, there was no pain, no ache, I can't even, you know, it's so hard to explain. Total mystery. And they still don't know what caused it, uh, impossible no. to find. So lastly, like, let me come back to the point that you made earlier on, because I've said here many times, I've spoken to <coughs> people about defibrillators being interfered with it takes a special breed of idiot to do that but if if that defibrillator had not been working we wouldn't be having this conversation no not a hope in hell not a hope in hell uh, PJ and I can safely say that and I would also like people to to carry two rapid responders and the East Cork uh, responders as well Mm. they're all voluntary so and your fundraiser would be going there to present a few shillings as well, I suppose. Yeah. And they're also looking for volunteers all the time yeah. to train as responders. Oh, they are, yeah, they are indeed. As a matter of fact, um, the local man here, old Craig Flanagan, has asked me, you know, would I join their team to, to learn how to do it myself? And will you? So I said, I, I will. Good man. 
Good man. And an MBA page. All right. Listen, Joe, I'm delighted that you came through it. And there's a great lesson to us all. It can happen without warning, without explanation. But if those defibrillators are not left alone to do what they do, we wouldn't yeah. be having this conversation. Oh, that's most certainly we would not indeed. Joe, thank you very much and continued good health to you and happy birthday. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Right, quick catch up. Uh, Ken Parrott out and about with the street fleet and the moo cow. Ken. Right now I'm in Mahan Point and I'm right next to the Cork's 96FM cash cow and she still has plenty of moolah up for grabs. One of the ways you can win is by calling down here to Mahan Point, take a selfie with the cash cow, put it up on your Instagram story, follow us and tag us at Cork's 96FM and you're in with a chance to win. It's as easy as that with thanks to Mahan Point Shopping Centre. Catch a movie, explore over 60 stores or shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. See mahanpointsc.ie. I'm Ken Parrott with the Street Fleet on Cork's 96 FM. Another chance to win moolah from the cash cow with Simon this afternoon. 0818 96 96 96. Still taking your last few entries. I won't play it anymore. Well, not, not just yet. Where is Fiona today? For the Furniture Centre. We'll call that winner around about 5 to 12. Now, uh, Kate O'Callaghan joins me from, from Mitchellstown. Kate, you have a severe... We've talked so much about this on the programme, but it's great to have... Well, it's, it's sad for you, but great for us to have the real experience of someone who is trying to hire staff and they're just not there. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Thanks for having us on. Um, yeah, that's it. They're just not there. Um, and we are getting to the stage now where we're really desperate. Um, mm. We re- had to reduce our hours. We're reducing our offering. Um, and we just really need staff and we need the support of the government to help us bring them in from abroad because mm. they're just not in Ireland, unfortunately. Your little place, it's not a little place, it's a fine size of a place, or Callaghan's Cafe down there in, yeah. in Mitchellstown. You can seat 120 people, like it's a, it's a fine size mm-hmm. of, of a premises. You've already had to cut your hours, I think. Yes, we're very lucky um, that we are very busy and that's what's upsetting, I suppose, is that the business is there but we just don't have the team to provide the service and we have a very loyal customer base we're very busy in the restaurant and we have a huge takeaway offering and you know we have to reduce our hours we're usually open six days before covid we've had to go down to four days from wednesday to saturday and we don't want to sacrifice the quality of what we're offering and lose our customers because of that. So we are just going to have to keep reducing what we do and how often we do it, which is very sad because the business is there. That's what's most upsetting. Why is there such a shortage? I don't know. I think like for the last few years, it's been very hard to get chefs. I think since COVID began, maybe people started to reassess what they were doing, what they wanted their life to look like. Um. And there just doesn't seem to be students going into the colleges. Um, So that's a big issue that there's not enough people being trained in Ireland to Mm. become chefs or for the hospitality industry. And then it's such a rigmarole to bring people in from abroad um, where you're wasting time and money. And the government really needs to speed up the process. We have two people, um, two chefs from Sri Lanka, who really want to come to Ireland 
and it's going to take us six months to get them, which will be the middle of the summer, the height of our um, busy season. And I, we don't know how we're going to get that far without them. And why do you think people are not training here? Is it, I mean, as a career, what kind of prospects does it offer? Oh, like hospitality, in my opinion, is the best industry. Um, you know, people go on all the time about no day being the same. Like this is the industry where no day is the same. You're meeting people every single day. You are looking after them. You're enhancing their experience like with you um, with what how their day turns out like it's huge um, I absolutely love it the opportunities for travel I myself lived in France I lived in London I have friends all over the world I can go anywhere and I'll know someone nearly mm. um, and it's great fun it's fast paced and we're very lucky that if you were to work with us you'd only be working from 8 until 5 6 at the latest mm. no Sundays um, no evenings like I don't know, it's it's very sad to think that people aren't going into the industry because there are so many opportunities. Because let's let's be very honest for a second, Kate. It it does have areas of the industry have a bad rep for long hours, low pay, poor conditions. Mm -hmm. But someone said to me last year, uh, my pal, Paul Trevold in Killarney said to me last year, he said, look, he said, Mm -hmm. those days are gone because if you don't pay people... They won't stay with you. If you treat them badly, no. they won't come. So so that those days are kind of gone. You have to pay people and you have to look You have people. to. Yeah. Plus, I think like you have to pay people because they need to live and like you're we're all human. You want your team to have the best um life that they can have. So underpaying them, you're only you know, you're just upsetting yourself at the end of the day because they won't stay with you. And you don't want someone to stay with you for 6 months. We mm. all want a workforce that will stay with us for a long time. Mm. So you need to look after your staff, whether that's by salary or the hours and the work-life balance. Like, mm. But I think those days are gone. I think it's been highlighted so much yeah. that anyone who maybe wasn't providing the best um, work conditions for their team have now been forced um, you mentioned the, so. the lads from Sri Lanka. Uh, now, mm-hmm. And you talk about the state's rules. Now... Let me get this right, if, if I'm wrong, correct me. So if you don't have available staff in Ireland, you've then got to exhaust the resources of the EU before mm-hmm. you can look beyond for a candidate. Yeah, but the most, like, everyone knows that there's a shortage of chefs in Ireland. There are no chefs, and anyone who is looking for a chef will have been advertising the position long before you even... Um, go down the, the route from abroad like we want to provide our jobs locally um, we want Irish people working with us mm. we want them you know, that's what everyone wants but they're not there but if, if you no they're not there and so when you have advertised for as long as you can you can then you then have to employ someone to help you get someone from abroad you have to um, and then advertise on a government website for 28 days which is just ridiculous because you've already been advertising. We've been advertising really seriously since Christmas, but we've been looking for one person with nearly a year and we haven't had any, we've had one person come for an interview and they didn't want to work in a cafe. They wanted to work in a five-star hotel. But wasting time for 28 days on a government website, which I actually Googled looking for the other day as if I was a chef looking for a job and you can't find it. So I don't know who is ever going to apply from that website. So it's outdated 
Um, and it's it's just the processes have to be updated. And, um, and then you have case- to advertise on a newspaper, a national right. newspaper, um, which is expensive. Like the most jobs I would think today, people are going to see online on the likes of Indeed, on Facebook, on Instagram, on sure. Twitter. Sure, sure. Um, and if they're not seeing them there, it's unlikely that they're going to see them on a newspaper. Sure, sure. And like, or on a website you can't find. Are there like agencies that you can go to and, and have them look for people for you? Or is there more red tape there? No, there is. There, there are loads of agencies. I mean, it's a huge market now. Like for people to, it's a great business opportunity because every restaurant almost that's, um, will have to get people from abroad. So if anyone wants to set up a recruitment business, bringing chefs in, like it's a huge opportunity. But there are loads already. And we're working with a company in Dublin, but the chefs that we're hiring, um, we, we've we kind of got them through word of mouth. Mm. Um, they have family already in Mitchellstown, which was important to us because we want them to settle in. We want them to make friends easily and we want them to stick around. So that was important to us that mm. if we could get someone who knew someone already here, that was our preferred kind of... Yeah. Um, way of getting them. So, so you're already on on reduced hours, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. had to reduce your your menu. I suppose with spring and summer ahead, and throughput or footfall increasing, hopefully, you'd be worried. Mm-hmm. Oh, worried is an understatement. Like, we honestly don't know what we're going to do. Like, we're currently at four days. If we go down to three days, we're worried about the staff that we do have. Will that be too little for them? Will we lose them? Um, like it's a it's a massive concern, and we're kind of going week to week at the moment and seeing what can we do this week. But like coming up to June, July, August, we are lucky to be halfway from Dublin to West Cork, so we're a good stopping ground for anyone um, going to West Cork. And I don't know how we're going to be able to cope with the volume that will come in the summer, which we're lucky to have. Yeah, but we just don't have the staff to service it. Okay, unfortunate situation thank you and good luck with whatever way it goes Kate O'Callaghan from McCallaghan's Cafe in Mitchellstown huge shortage of, of, of people to staff the industry. 0818 96 96 96 Network Ireland is having an event on the 2nd of March coming up to talk about PR for your business. Now public relations PR is a kind of a mystery industry in that we all come across it, particularly in this line of work. You know, we get a box of cakes from this PR company and you get a load of spiel from another PR company. But it's a very important role that they play. Judy Hopkins is, of course, from Hopkins Communications partner and owner. Judy, what do you do? What is your job? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, PJ. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Delighted. Um, Yeah, so what we do really is we're an integrated marketing communications agency. So we do everything that you can communicate in or on, really. So we do advertising, so like radio ads on 96FM, for example. We buy those for clients. We do the production of the radio ad. We do event management, graphic design, print, digital media, um, and so on and so forth. And another part of that then is public relations. So um, public relations is a very cost-effective 
tool, I suppose, or, or, or marketing activity that companies can utilize because essentially how we would work is we would do, you know, creative photo shoots and write creative press releases and send those out to the media like yourselves, like like Neve in our office here. She's the PRO for Network Cork. She sent you in a press release and pitched me in for an interview mm-hmm. and here we are. So mm-hmm. this is a result of PR activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, over the years, obviously, as you well know, PJ, it has evolved in the sense that, you know, it's not just your traditional PR now with your press releases and your photo shoots and your interviews and your profiling and all of that, but it's also moved to the digital side of things too. So where traditionally, you know, uh, key opinion leaders and stakeholders would have been the influencers of your world and my world, Mm. now the influencers, those influencers are also online. And then you've got this whole new batch of what people are calling influencers these days, Mm. where, you know, again, you're saying about sending kind of branded cupcakes or whatever, if you're trying to promote something. So that's all part of the digital side Mm. of PR as well. It's it's a busy, a busy, there's much more activity to it now than there was, say, 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely. Something else you get involved in is if if you represent me, if you're my agent, my Mm -hmm. PR agent, and I've got a bit of a disaster in-house, something has gone Mm -hmm. seriously pear-shaped. I pick up the phone Mm -hmm. and say, Judy, I'm in trouble here. What do you do then? (laughs) Help me. Um, Yeah, so that was, and and you literally took the words out of my mouth, PJ. Um, So crisis management or, you know, messaging for for the client is all part of the public relations um, element. So what we would do is if PJ Coogan is a client of mine and you're on a retainer with me, what I would do is I would put together a crisis protocol document. So I would say to you, okay, this is what you need to communicate to your team. If, if for example, the media call you, <laughs> I know this is like weird because you're media yourself. I know, yeah. yeah. But if, if the media call you that this is what they should do and if something happens, this is what you should do and so that we can be as proactive mm. as possible. Like, Do you and advise people to have sit down with you and have a plan in the top drawer yes. of a filing cabinet so that if something goes, pick it out right, here's what happens. Exactly, exactly. So it's always with PR, we always try to plan ahead and be proactive. But obviously, as you well know, certain things come up that, you know, you ha- you can only be reactive to. And But because that client is on a retainer with you, you know, they know how you've gone through the crisis management side of things with them and they know what to do immediately when something happens. Um, so we would work with the clients then to put together statements to answer the media's questions mm. um, and to put to, to kind of allay any fears really that anyone has, you know. So that's another element of the, the, yeah. the PR activity that we would do. But sure, it's, the list is endless. It changes yeah. every day. And Is it an expensive yeah. service, Judy? Because if I'm running my little solo business um, and, hmm. you know, I, I'm saying, right, I need someone to represent me here, but how much of these mm-hmm. retainers is it expensive? Not asking to spill company secrets here now, but is it expensive? Mm-hmm. It's actually not. So say, for example, if somebody contacts us and they say, look, I'm launching a new business and I want to work with you um, and, you know, what can you do for me? One of the questions we would ask them is, you know, what's your budget and what's the timeline that that budget would would go across? 
And if their budget is is on the lower end of the scale, then public relations is generally what we would recommend because advertising, obviously, as you know, can be quite expensive. Whereas this conversation that you and I are having, the value of that to my client is is going to be quite high um, in in comparison to um, you know a, 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 an ad on something that's just a once off if you get me but the ideal situation is always to do an integrated approach so we would be doing radio ads with 96 FM we would be doing digital ads we would be doing billboards we'd be doing press ads we'd mm. be doing online ads and then the PR as well and obviously your content creation then for your social media so an integrated approach is always the best way to do it, but so what we do there. is we tailor yeah mm. we tailor it and we cherry pick you know the 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 the, the activities that are going to get the client the best bang for their buck really okay. you know okay if people want to take part in that event it's on the 2nd of march at cork international hotel network ireland cork branch of course geared specifically towards uh, women in business uh, thank you for that uh, judy right where am i going line one all right let me see where was she today i wonder Today I am in the centre of a coastal town, popular with tourists, renowned for its food and sailing. And there was a famous battle here in 1601. Mark Tiernan, where is she? She's in Kinsale, Peter. She's in Kinsale, sir. She is indeed. Well done to you. You're today's winner with the Furniture Centre. You're most most welcome. Today's winner on the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road, family run business, 40 years, 500 euro voucher for Mark Tiernan. One more to go. You have a chance to get in on the act tomorrow when we get back just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.